Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Kyle from the Impact Investor. Impact investing, along with ESG investing and socially responsible investing, are terms you may have heard of lately. But what do these different terms mean? And how can you contribute to a positive impact through investing? Kyle will help us today with this question. He has been a sustainable investor working for the last 10 years with investment banking and private equity. And of course, he has a strong passion for personal finance. Together, we will discuss as well how we can have a positive impact through investing and if this way of investing is profitable at all, how we can manage our daily purchase decisions. And Kyle will give us as well some tips to reduce your carbon footprint when traveling. His other passion, by the way. This episode is for you if you want to make a positive impact through investing and or if you want to understand the basics of impact investing. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Kyle. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Yes, I'm uh, doing fine. Excited to speak to you because today we're going to talk about one of your uh, ventures or blogs, and that's about impact investing, uh, something we have already spoken on the podcast, but it's not usually the main topic. Usually we we stop at investing only here. (laughs) So we are uh, definitely curious to hear more about uh, impact investing, what it is, etc. But uh, yeah, before we start, uh, Kyle, maybe you can give us uh, a little bit of explanation on um, on all what you do, because I know you from uh, you were um, writing a blog called uh, Financial Wolves, and I know you have a traveling website, and now you have this impact investing website. So, so can you tell us a little bit how that all flows together? Is it one or the other? Uh, is Financial Wolves still there? Tell us a little bit about all, all this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, and thanks for having me on, Jonathan. This is great, and yeah, happy to. To be here talking about impact investing, it's something that's super important to me. Um, I, you know, previously had spent 10 plus years working in sustainable uh, infrastructure investing here in the United States, mainly on a private equity basis where, um, yeah, I worked on behalf of investors investing funds um, in renewable energy projects and sustainable projects and infrastructure uh, in North America for uh, the last five plus years and those other five years were uh, more on the client advisory role as well as some corporate finance roles uh, for uh, sustainable infrastructure. And so it's something that's paramount. It's something that's been at the core of my uh, professional career for a number of years now. But, uh, you know, I have also been very passionate about personal finance in general, right? Helping people and using content and and my knowledge, right? And my personal experiences to help people uh, better their personal finance financial situation. And I previously had done that through sort of a side uh, side project, uh, a personal finance blog and called Financial Wolves. And, and, you know, that I scaled that up to a certain level of size and sold that that site, sort of moved on from that project. But in addition to that, I, I'm also very passionate about travel. Um, and so traveling the world, exploring the world, uh, you know, I consider myself a world citizen, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, love talking to people from all over the world and learning from them, right? And so uh, pairing that along with uh, the impact investor 
is, uh, you know, just two of my my core passions. And I knew that I wanted to do something for my day job that that revolved around my passion. So I'm officially now, you know, starting here in 2022, start of this year, I am doing these two projects full time um, and have moved on from sort of the traditional office setting and now kind of uh, in more of a distributed uh, digital online based uh, uh, career. So those are my projects. This is where how I kind of came about. And uh, yeah, it's um, fun how it all mixes mixes together, huh? how it all uh, follows the logic. And now you are still working with personal finance, but then you mix it with your uh, with your passion for uh, yeah renewables, responsible investing, etc. So no, that's uh, good to hear, Kyle. And then one question I have is, of course, we it's a trend that we also hear. I mean, from uh, an energy perspective, uh, renewables, you, you named it, uh, solar energy, wind energy, etc. And I, I know wind energy is uh, taking off as well in, in the US. Uh, this I know as well through my uh, personal job. But we also hear it in the investing world. So, um, you know, we hear terms such as impact investing, as you mentioned, we hear ESG funds, uh, so environmental, social and governance funds, social responsible investing. So maybe uh, before we, we get into really the, the episode, can you give us a little bit of a definition about all these terms? So ESG, social responsible investing and impact investing, just so we we can uh, put a frame on it and, and understand a bit what's, all, what's it all about. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the reason why I started uh the site the impact investors because i think there's sort of just convoluted definitions right yeah i'm trying to help retail investors understand the different prongs and the different approaches to invest your money for uh you know a positive impact and and, and do good with your money um and so uh so esg investing right is environmental social and governance investing the benefit of that is that it focuses on the three core prongs, three core prongs that are very measurable, right? It's easy for, it's very easy for companies to measure their environmental impact, their social and their governance impact. And so environmental would be make, doing things like reducing your carbon footprint and your carbon emissions. Something on the social side would be, you know, promoting equality amongst your, your business, right? Empowering individuals to in various positions and com- coming from various backgrounds, right, and promoting equality within within your your um, uh, your business in general, from both a monetary perspective as well as organizational sort of roles. And then same thing with governance is there's some overlap there, but you know promoting at least governance based system where uh, individuals from all backgrounds have an opportunity. And also there's either a flat structure or equal sort of governance and shared governance amongst you know, the business transitioning to socially responsible investing. That's more of a, a values-based investing okay. strategy. So it's, it can be different from each person, right? My values are, are going to be, you know, different than yours, right, Jonathan? And so, sure. and, and they're going to be different from our neighbors, right? And so it's dynamic based on each individual person and what they value and how they want to put their money into a certain, you know, stream. And so that might be like, my core value is I, I only care about the environment, right? And so, you know, if that was your your kind of core strategy, you would focus, that's your top priority in terms of the dollars that you're investing to promote, you know, your values. And can that be as well, um, for example, equality, I mean, gender equality or... Um... Right. 
Right. And it could be a pie, right? Say, say it's, you know, you focus on gender equality, you, you focus on uh, the environment, uh, reducing, you know, carbon emissions. And, you know, um, you believe in, you know, equal pay or, or some, you know, uh, amongst uh, um, uh, corporations. And so, you know, you would you would focus on companies that are doing exactly that and excelling at, at all, you know, at those those prongs. And so it's really a, a blank canvas for each individual to to invest at what's paramount and core to them or even like, you know, uh, not investing in guns or or weapons or mm-hmm. uh, anything that promotes promotes war. Right. Um, you know, you can rid yourself of every single dollar that you invest has zero footprint into, you know, weapons or, or something of that nature. Right. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people should sit there, sit and evaluate and look at their portfolio and understand, is this promoting uh, values that are aligned with my, my personal, you know, your own personal values. So that's socially responsible. And if you transition to impact investing, it's a bit of a different, it's almost a hybrid in a way of the, of the first two, but you're investing for positive impact. So it's a little bit of a hybrid, but it's it's a different way of thinking. It, you need to think about it as my dollars will result in what in terms of impact, right? My my dollars that are invested will result in a positive change with a measurable positive change, right? So when I, you know, if I invest $100,000 in this, I need an impact of, of Y, right? I invest X mm-hmm. to get an impact of why in, in positive change. And that can come in a lot of different ways. It's very dynamic. It can be based on values, but it also can be based on measure, very measurable things like carbon emissions or reducing your carbon footprint. It can be, but as long as it's very measurable, that's your goal, right? You need to be able to tie your dollars to some form of positive impact. And I think a lot of people, sort of a myth with impact investing is that, in my opinion, is that you're not focused on financial return. I think there's a there's a way out out there that you can pair a financial return together with positive impact. You shouldn't have to they're not discrete. There's a world that exists where where both of those can happen. Yes, it's part of a, a later question I have. Uh, so we will come back to to returns and profits uh, later on. What we have heard a lot here in Europe, at least, is that ESG investing in uh, the banks, in uh, institu- financial institutions, I mean, this is coming up a lot since uh, two, three last years and even before, but it's really, I mean, it's becoming a trend. And then uh, there's a lot of, um, how can I say, questions about, yeah, is this fund really following the ESG criteria, etc.? So, So how can we, for example, if I want to invest, let's say in a ESG ETF, for example, or in a ESG friendly company, uh, how can I find out about this? I mean, um, because I want to, I'm listening to this episode and I'm thinking, yes, I want to invest with an impact. How, how can I do yeah. this? I think, uh, you know, the best spot is, is different resources similar to the impact investor and the content that we're producing, but not just us, right? There's, there's rating agencies. I think you'd need to do your own personal evaluation of each rating agency and their performance, their reputability, uh, reliability, and and sort of even approach, right? Those can be resources mm-hmm. um, 
you know, the MSCI is one, right? Morningstar. There's even Sustainalytics. There's plenty of different ratings groups and analytics-based organizations that are providing good information on on what is truly uh, sustainable um, or even, you know, uh, values-based. And so use those as a resource to start learning about what makes a company better positioned for your, you know, your values or your, your positive impact uh, relative to others. It can be discrete between each company, right? Or, or industry, I mean, certain industries, there's significant challenges to deal with uh, just for one prong of, of something for environmental, right? You know, it, mm-hmm. think about the you know, world of cryptocurrencies, right? Th- that has a significant challenge. And, and so those need to be measured. Those, those individual companies within that industry need to be measured in, against each other, if that makes sense, right? It's, it's sort of an industry grouping in terms of the top, you know, the top performers within that industry group as it relates to your values. Okay, so, so do I need to go to, for example, Morningstar? I go to the website and then I need to look for a, a whichever company, for example, let's say Coca-Cola or um, I don't know, let's, say, let's take a car company, a BMW or Porsche. Mm-hmm. I go to Morningstar and then I can find all the information or at least part of the some criteria I need to analyze to compare, let's say, BMW against a Porsche, for example, or a Volkswagen. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll provide a scoring similar to credit okay. ratings or credit scoring. There's now ESG scores, which are only going to become more and more important. And some, you know, the, there's... Uh, expectations that this might be a requirement for certain public companies to to report on in in various aspects right but here you, you can use that ESG score and understand each each rating agency is going to have something different in terms of their method of of how they score so read into read into their methods but yeah you'll you'll have a you'll have a benchmarking score for that particular company as it relates to ESG okay that's quite good i mean for example, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stock picking myself. I mean, it's usually a limited number of companies, but for example, at my brokers, I, I do not see yet ESG criteria. So maybe that's a trend coming up or I need to go to uh, the morning stars of this world or MSCI just to to dig more into yes. it. Yeah, and it, and they'll, they'll provide a list of different funds. We have, you know, Impact Investor, we have a list of funds that, you know, are, are best suited for ESG. So e- there's, there's a number of ETFs that are, you know, will be the, you know, S&P 500 X, you know, that are remove out any carbon based companies, right. Or significantly, you know, carbon based companies. Yeah. And so there are ETFs and funds out there that are being positioned to, you know, remove out anything that is, you know, detrimental to a to an you know your ESG goals or build up and there's a ton of products out there now for, for funds all across the board on ETFs mutual funds bond funds etc um, and there's only going to be more of these type of products in my opinion in the future and so there's a lot to choose from but use your typical your scanner talk to your if you have a financial advisor talk to them about this as well and uh, if you are in existing funds you can always look at the prospectus and see what is actually in the fund, and then and and those top weighted type companies that it's invested in, uh, you can look at those individual ESG scores for those companies to start doing your own buildup of like what your own personal 
exposure is to you know ESG companies. No, that's uh, that's excellent. I will uh, have a look myself just to just to see. And do you do you see a difference in this um, ESG criteria? I mean, not the criteria themselves, but the approach uh, between Europe or US, for example, or in the world, like in uh, Asia Pacific. Is there a similar approach, or are we working at different speeds? There are certainly different approaches, um, and working at different speeds. I, I certainly would say uh, Europe is is further advanced in terms of drawing a concrete sort of line, I guess, or mm-hmm. um, being more critical of that of different ESG scoring and reporting by companies. It's a, but it is a vast ocean, really. Of um, there's company. It seems like there's a, a new reporting agency out there, you know, every month that's doing this. Yeah, and so okay. it, it, you know, it, it varies across the board here, in my opinion, in the States, there's a lot of people talking about it and marketing it, but there isn't enough that's actually being done, in my opinion, on holding public companies with their feet to the fire on uh, some of these issues and making strides on that, on that front in reporting. We'll see, hopefully more standards can be introduced, but uh, yeah. And so I, I would certainly say that there's variations between where you're located. And then, Kyle, you mentioned it uh, in your um, in your answer: cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, all of this uh, world. Um, you know, I mean, when we think about uh, cryptocurrencies, we know that there is mining involved. There are uh, some, um, uh, you know, trans- all those transactions. I mean, they require a lot of energy, a lot of power. I mean, there have been articles on the energy level that it consumes. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And I mean, is should this be excluded then from um, from our, our investing portfolio based on impact investing or um, guidelines? Or should can we still keep it in? Yeah, it's it's something I've given a lot of thought to. It's uh, personally, I do have exposure to to various cryptocurrency and and, and they 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 do consume a significant amount of energy. That being said, I envision a world where traditional cities and towns that have been very dominant, their their entire community have been has been dominated by coal or some form of fossil fuels or natural resource consumption. Those towns here in the States have been decimated by jobs and, and you know, the shutdown of coal. And I'm not saying that mining should go into those towns and restart a coal plant. I'm saying what should happen in a world that should happen is is um, an ecosystem of renewables and production of renewables that can harvest and supply that energy consumption. And it can be a more forward progress of job creation. So not only would you hit on the environmental side of building you know, this renewable ecosystem to generate power for mining, but also then you have the social and potentially even the governance side of things where um, you're promoting jobs and progress within these individual communities. And this is not just the U.S. I mean, there's places around the world that there's communities that could use that sort of re, you know, revitalization And this is a forward-thinking, high-growth, uh, you know, uh, industry, right? It's game-changing, right? And this could be something that can empower communities to to really revamp and re, you know reshape the way um, they do business. And so, I think there's a significant opportunity there. It's very hard to solve for that opportunity, though. I think people need to put 
the, the underlying miners accountable to be doing the right way, not the lowest cost because it drives more you know, profit for them, but something that can be a shared ecosystem amongst everyone. And I think that's what's been at the core of cryptocurrency is what, where they've excelled is really that governance side of things, sort of that shared economy. It's Web 3.0 where, you know, everyone's distributed and shares in that the profit amongst everyone. And it, it, does, it doesn't reside in a, in a centralized environment. And so that's one spot of, of the bright spot of cryptocurrency is that certain cryptos have really excelled on the G governance and side of things. You talk about very flat, distributed sort of, you know, governance protocols. And so that's something that is my approach. I would, I would, um, I envision a world that renewables and that environmental side of things does, does not have to be coal-based or carbon-based. The only way we can get there is by the people investing in it, throwing their hands up and saying that this is not okay and not supporting that and, and doing whatever you can to position it in uh, the most sustainable light. You know, this is most sustainable way. Sorry. And then just to, to go back to, to crypto, um, are there some cryptocurrencies that are less energy consuming than others, or is it all uh, very demanding? Yeah, there, there's certainly uh, cryptocurrencies that are less, less energy intensive than, than sort of Bitcoin. Uh, there's, you know, a great example would be something like Cardano. Um, there's, you know, Ethereum's, Ethereum, basically 2.0, you know, is projected to consume 99% less energy. So whatever you can do that's in a proof of stake rather than proof of work concept, mm -hmm. you know, to, in supporting that, like that is what can progress a world where we're consuming less energy. And so my, I myself have, you know, staked and supported Ethereum 2.0, given that it puts that ecosystem in a world where we don't need to rely on carbon. Okay, no, no, that's good. That's uh, that's excellent. So there's still uh, there are still ways to to do it. And Ethereum, I mean, it's uh, from an investing point of view, it's still interesting. And talking about that, um, I think it's quite clear what uh, impact investing is all about, and then ESG, and then uh, social responsible investing. Now, all this investing, and uh, we can do our research on. Uh, Uh, you, you named it, um, what's the name again? <laughs> Morningstar and all these platforms. But is it all profitable? Because, you know, I'm investing my hard-earned money. I want to uh, become financially independent at some point in the end. And I'm happy to have an impact, a positive impact uh, on the planet. But does it deliver me something? Do I get returns from it? Or, I mean, should, is it better to invest in, a, let's say, a gender-equal company or... A, I don't know, like an environment-conscious company rather than any company? Is it better for my portfolio? I think, I personally believe it is, right? I mm -hmm. think sustainable investing is really about doing the right thing up front. It's not taking the shortcut way mm -hmm. um, because it results in more profit, you know, today. It's It's about doing... The right thing that will harvest sustainable profits for the future, for the foreseeable future, right? So <laughs> examples are the return on solar, the payback period might be might be longer than, you know, taking the shortcut route. 
for sure. But it's relying on a resource that the sun is not going anywhere for at least 100 million years, I think, are the projections. Um, it's not going anywhere. Okay, we're good. And yeah, yeah. I think we're good on that front. And so, right, and, and now you have you have uh, solar that can last 30 years, right? Um, you can size your, your solar generation to have no input, no resource consumption for for 30 years. And that that expense side of things is completely gone for for 30 plus years. It's so it, that's just one example. There's there's hundreds of different other ways. Right. And so uh, focusing and supporting on supporting people that think about it differently, uh, think about the world differently and not just they're looking for the quick answer are people that are, are, are companies that are going to win out in the long run. You can't just be, we can't be patching up the world with band-aids. It needs to be done right from the onset with a number of different factors considered. And that means that you're also making very smart decisions about the way business is conducted. You're, you're evaluating a lot of different things, right? What's the impact on, you know, um, the the aviary system or the the bird ecosystem in in your community if you're making an investment in a you know a wind project right and so there's uh yeah at the end of the day it's it's about making decisions that will allow future generations to flourish as well and uh yeah yeah that'll that's what will win out at the end of the day in my opinion no no i really like your answer it's really it's a long-term perspective which i uh I'm a big, uh, how can I say, big stand. I mean, I stand for long term all, all, every time. So no, that's uh, that's really makes sense, uh, and you explain it uh, very clearly. And then this is um, okay. We covered uh, the investing side, so so that's where you are specialized, Kyle. But then in our daily lives, when it comes to managing our money or purchase decisions, etc., which in which way can we contribute to this? Um, let's say not impact investing, but impact uh, purchasing or impact managing our money how how can we continue on this trend yeah with less uh, impactful this i mean not 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 less impactful but with small decisions actually mm-hmm. yeah it's a great uh, it's a really good question something i think about all the all the time and i want to kind of s- try to provide a perspective that's different than the investing side and something i like to think about is every single resource that's out there you know, uh, the brick that makes up your home to, you know, uh, the ink in your pencil or your pen or everything that makes up what we use and consume is finite or requires energy to be produced. If it's not natural, if it's not something that's naturally uh, renewable, it it requires something to be, be to be made. It, it requires mm-hmm. a consumption of something on our planet to be made. So make those decisions about when you do have material objects or possessions or purchase decisions that each purchase decision has is taking something from the earth or impacting the earth in some way or or even impacting people and communities. And so understand where it comes from, how it comes, you know, how it's made. Breaking those type of things down can really go a long way to impacting your wallet because if you think about it like do i need more of these material objects in my life or not right you'll end up actually saving money when you realize that when you start thinking about 
my purchase of this has a ripple through effect of the carbon uh-huh. associated with it um, in creating it, the jobs in which the people that are making it, their pay, uh, all of those decisions or all the all of those that that kind of procurement of that product have impacts throughout that life cycle. And so um, if you can think about just reducing your consumption, I think at the end of the day is really something that will help your wallet one. And then two, it, you know, it's certainly not going to hurt the environment if you consume less and really think about each object or, you know, form of consumption that you have with some careful detail. Yeah, sure. And then for example, just to take a concrete example, Mm -hmm. uh, food, (laughs) because we all need to eat. So do you say that, okay, we should look for the least global impact possible? I mean, for example, in terms of carbon footprint, so should we shop only locally or uh, should we try to avoid buying, let's say, uh, I'm in Europe, so let's say I buy meat from US. I mean, I should avoid that. I should try to buy local or this kind of stuff. Yes, I would advocate for that, for for, for buying local. One thing I, I certainly envy and appreciate when I visit Europe is... Uh, that some a lot more appreciation for that locality, the local procurement mm-hmm. of uh, you know cheese, different cheeses or meats or you know uh, vegetables, and even you know those local you know food markets. So to the extent you can buy and support local curation, it helps not just the local farmers and local people curating these, these the food, but also then reduces right the the length of that it has to travel to get there, which has a carbon impact. Here in the States, right, California supplies way too much of the rest of our produce, right? It's, I I forgot the numbers, but it's a majority. And they're bringing, you know, tomatoes all the way from California to, uh, you know, to the upper Midwest. And one thing I'm very bullish on is, is the idea of distributed farming and greenhouse farming or indoor farming, where you can have these you know, decentralized, distributed pockets of of curation at at more of an sort mm-hmm. of an industrial scale if we need it. That's if you need sort of that industrial scale. But at the end of the day, if 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 we don't need that industrial scale, you can stay local and purchase from people within your local area. It'll reduce carbon as well along the way. And by small, right? One thing that can't be underestimated mm-hmm. is just the amount of waste that, ha- you know, uh, from over-purchasing from food that uh, that does have an impact. And once it's, if it is waste, that has its own life cycle too. That can be reused in a different way or composted. And so if you purchase small, consume, you know, consume less, don't throw it away. It has a better uh, overall result. Okay, one thing, Kyle, is that in Europe, it's... Um... We enjoy a good local uh, products, but there's a lot of, it's not all that rosy. There's a, as well fraud and everything. So so we need to be careful as well. But yeah, I think the message is clear. Huh? Try to to buy products that do not need to travel so much. So, and I think that's as well valid for the, for the rest, huh? for uh, physical products, books or whatever you buy. Try to yeah, look for products that do, do not have a, a big impact on the, on waste, etc., on uh, with long complex supply chains, etc. So, if you can buy simple simple products that do not have such a big CO two impact, you cannot always know. But yeah, try to buy local. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's good. And, and then one thing, because I know you like to travel. So of course, when you travel, and if you you from the US and you go to uh, 
to Asia or you go to here to Europe. So, I mean, this also has an impact. So how do you, is there a way to travel sustainably then? Uh, because it's a hobby that many listeners have huh? and people cannot wait until uh, all restrictions are gone to, to travel. So is there, a, should we travel less? Should we travel more efficiently? How, how do we do this? Yeah, I, I think that's my largest contributor as a, for a carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. I drive an electric vehicle and have tried to electrify everything that I, I own. And my, my business uses hosting and servers that are all uh, carbon neutral. And so, but the one contributor is, is the major contributor is for me is flights, right? And, and flying. And so what I try to do is take less flights. So, but do it. So like, if I'm going to Europe, right, just take one direct flight to a central location in Europe, rather than multiple unnecessary flights, like a connecting flight, that's an hour, when really, I could take maybe a hour and a half or two hour train um, yeah. direct. So I've just this past summer, spent about eight weeks in Europe, and I flew just right into one central location of Amsterdam, and then relied on uh, train travel throughout uh, a number of countries throughout Europe and train travel. That's great, especially an electrified system. Great way to reduce your carbon footprint with travel. And I wish the states here had, uh, you know, a more efficient system in that regard. Local transportation here in Minneapolis, we do have an electrified uh, light rail system, which um, is efficient. And that's what I use to commute. Another way, right, if, if you do like driving or doing road trips, seriously consider uh, at least a hybrid type vehicle, uh, mm -hmm. a vehicle that is efficient, fuel efficient if you do, you know, uh, need to stay with the with few fuel, but also consider an electric uh, electric, you know, vehicle. I, I did a few road trips in my electric vehicle and it's very refreshing. You drive through a national park and just not having that that gas and those emissions it's just it, it can be very cleansing mentally so think about those type of things and if you do take flights one thing i would like to evaluate more is um you know pur purchasing carbon credits or carbon offsets to offset my you know uh the, the carbon that uh my my footprint leaves so that's something that you can certainly do and there's a number of different uh places that you can do that okay no very good very good that's um these tips are excellent i like the flying to a central place like you did in Amsterdam and then taking the train. So that's a good one. So Kyle, uh, I think we came at the end of the show. So I want to, to thank you for all your uh, valuable knowledge and experience that you brought to the show and uh, the tips. These, are, uh, these were excellent. I think everyone can use them. So uh, no, thank you very much. But before I let you go, Kyle, uh, we have, as you may know, always our three quick fire questions. So are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, very good. So the number one question is, we talked a lot about investing. So what has been your best investment so far? Yeah, I think it is has been investing in myself, but not mm -hmm. just taking the time to improve as a person. I think it's really been about putting the actual, uh, my own actual money into the things that can help me learn, save time, improve as a person, and even fail. I think that's a huge thing, right? If I mm -hmm. put you know, my own true dollars into something and I fail at it, that's kind of, that can be a good, that, that is a good thing. Um, it gives me a chance to learn, not make the same mistake twice. Um, and so really kind of investing my own dollars into me as a person and, and a business 
that um, is based on my passions and values is uh, there's nothing more sort of uh, valuable and rewarding to, than that because at the end of the day that is sustainable investing socially responsible investing and I took my own personal money to invest in things that into my own job really mm -hmm. uh, to uh, to harvest my core passions. No, oh, very good. And then the number two question, I think it's a bit linked to the first one, but is there a book that you can recommend to anyone? Yeah, I, uh, I'll give you a couple uh, because it's always hard to say. <laughs> just, just pick one, right? I don't read all the time, but when I do read, I have a few set of books that are just sort of my staple. And they're, they're almost like uh, resources that I grab every once in a while. So they're not the most riveting books. They're not Harry Potter, right? But the first one is Benjamin Graham's Intelligent Investor. That's one where I, I really learned how to evaluate businesses and really how do how businesses can grow or find value in a business or position a business, you know, how a business is positioned mm -hmm. for future success, as well as those boring accounting metrics uh, to determine a, you know, a company's profitability and stuff like that. But uh, But, uh, you know, that that was uh, also Warren Buffett's kind of core book that, uh, you know, he learned and, you know, had it at his hand. And he ended up being uh, just an okay investor. So um, I figured that uh, I'd follow that and try to build the <laughs> yeah. core of, of uh, investing knowledge there. And then the other one is a, a, a book called Automate the Boring Stuff. It's more programming based and Python uh, programming language based, but it, you, you end up learning a lot of different small things that can streamline your world and streamline what you do on a daily basis. And it, you know, helps stimulate the thought process of, you know, how can I make my life easier? And, uh, you know, we only have so much time on this planet. And so, yeah, make sure you do stuff, stuff efficiently. Yeah. No, very good. And then the last question, uh, Kyle, is, um, is there a purchase below a hundred dollars that you can recommend to everyone? Yeah, well, I, I can uh, I can point you to a book. It's a it's sort of a well, it's a digital product. It was a, a book called Make Traffic Happen, uh, which was a it was an SEO oriented book I purchased. Or it, it's not a book, I guess. It's a, more of a digital product. Mm -hmm. um, and I that was the best purchase I made. I it opened my eyes to this whole world of sort of like digital marketing and SEO and blogging and content and um, I read it and I studied it as much as possible. And that will end up being a gateway for me to open my eyes to the world of sort of online entrepreneurship and building a business that, you know, was based on my values. Um, and so without that, I don't think I ever would have migrated from working in a traditional setting to, you know, putting my own savings into making that investment in myself. Mm -hmm. So uh, that really opened my eyes to that. And uh, um, I learned a lot and it's been a value. It was a valuable resource to help me build sort of something on my passion. Oh, very cool. And actually the three fire question with you, it's actually three times investing in yourself in different ways, basically. Yep. <laughs> no, very cool. So Kyle, um, yeah, before we, we, we go, Where can the listeners learn more about you, learn more about uh, impact investing? Yeah, check out, uh, check out my website, theimpactinvestor.com. Uh, you can join my newsletter. There's a, there'll likely either be a form or a, you know, a pop-up where you can 
join in in my newsletter where I'll you know share direct sort of personal experiences for sustainable investing, how to improve uh, your sustainable investing goals. So you can interact with me directly through through that channel. Um, and uh, yeah, feel free to join there. And then you know if you wanna if you wanna hang out with me as I as I travel and explore the world, uh, you can visit my my travel blog via travelers.com. Okay, perfect. Well, Kyle, it was a pleasure to have you on and I wish you a fantastic day further. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was great to, uh, to chat. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one. ESG, SRI, and impact investing, a definition. So ESG investing, that is a type of investing that focuses on three core measurable prongs, the environmental impact, for example, carbon footprint, social impact, promoting equality amongst individuals, and governance, for example, a governance-based system where individuals from all backgrounds have an opportunity. SRI investing, socially responsible investing, This is more of a blank canvas. It is a values-based investing strategy, which will be different for each of us. Core values will be different to you than for me. It can be environment, gender equality, equal pay, and of course, there can be more than one. Impact investing, that's the last one. It's a kind of a hybrid of the two other ones. It's investing for a positive impact. It's a different way of thinking. The way it works is my dollars will result in a measurable positive change. Number two, How can you invest in ESG companies? You can find information thanks to rating agencies such as MSCI, Sustainalytics, Morningstar. I put an example in the show notes with Tesla, for example. They will provide you with the necessary information. You can look, of course, at Kyle's website, The Impact Investor. And the way to look at it is to look at ESG measures for companies within the same industry. It doesn't make sense to compare the ESG measure of a car company and a food producing company, for example. And this is probably something, and I agree with Kyle here, that uh, ESG scoring per company will become more important in the future. I can only see this trend growing. And then as well, uh, what you can do is, if you're more into ETFs, well, there are ETFs suited for ESG, like for example, S&P 500 index funds without carbon-based companies, for example. Number three, cryptocurrencies. Yes, well, we all know that crypto consumes a lot of energy worldwide, but some cryptos are less energy intensive. Huh? For example, Kyle mentioned Cardano, Ethereum 2.0, which will consume less energy. And this has as well to do with the protocol behind it, proof of stake versus proof of work. And it is those cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that are proof of work, which are demanding an energy, you know, which require all this hash power, etc. Number four, is all this sustainable investing profitable? Well, according to Kyle, and I agree with him, sustainable investing is about doing the right thing for the long term. It is not about looking for the quick gain or looking for shortcuts. It's about doing the right thing for the foreseeable future. This type of investing will harvest sustainable profits for the future, and these are the companies that will win in the long run. It's all about making decisions that will allow future generations to flourish. And last but not least, the day-to-day money management. How can we make it more sustainable? Well, everything that makes up what we use or that we consume is finite. It requires energy to produce, unless it is renewable. 
try to make more decisions that reduce the impact on the earth, on the people or on the community. Think about how is it made? Where is it made? And you know, by asking these questions, you will end up buying less stuff and hence you will save money and you will reduce the impact on the planet. Regarding food, what should you do? Well, you can buy local, supporting local farmers, local producers. This will as well reduce the length of travel that is needed for the food to travel and hence the carbon footprint impact. And as well, try to buy in small quantities to reduce waste. And last one, if you like to travel, and I think that applies to most of you, <laughs> this has an impact too. So yeah, if you fly overseas or if you have a long trip, try to fly to a central place. And then once you're there locally, favor electric or hybrid modes of transportation. And as for your daily life, if you can reduce your carbon footprint by not using a vehicle, using an electric vehicle, etc., this will help as well. And if you combine that with sustainable investing, buying more responsibly, I think all these small efforts will compound and will help to create a better world for the future. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.